Hello, and welcome to yesterday's news today, where the news is better late than never. On December 31st, crowds gathered in New York City in view of the big clock, where they welcomed in the new year, and with it, a new century. Cary Nation is at it again. The Kansas local destroyed a bar at Cary Hotel in Wichita on December 27th, and will spend the new year behind bars. God willing, so we can all drink. Fear among some as the Colorado cannibal Alfred Packer comes up for parole. The former soldier and prospector was accused of killing and eating members of his own group of gold prospectors back in 1874. Packer could be released as early as the 7th of this month. Mune's Publishing has announced they will welcome the new century with the new work by renowned author H.G. Wells. The book will be released later this month. And finally, morning newspapers across America ran a horrifying story this week that 49 schoolchildren had drowned while ice skating near Wachia, Iowa. But shortly afterwards, the story was confirmed to have been an elaborate practical joke. That was the news as it was this week in January 1901, which means this could only be yesteryear's news today. Where the news is better late than never, which means I'm Johnny. I'm Shane. So the idea of this podcast is that every week we do a different week in the news. So the first podcast is 1st to the 7th of January, 1901. Next week we'll do uh, 7th to the 14th of January, 1902. And so on and so forth. So a new week, new year, every week. We'll never... I think, what did you say? It'll be 14 years, or sorry, 24 years before we uh, <laughs> come to the come same. back to Jan- first week of January... Uh, 1901 and we'll just do different stories from that yeah. year then and just mm. with the 24 like that isn't solid math that's that's johnny maths that's <laughs> johnny maths yeah. so take away but for that's sh- awfully maths but for sure within two years when we come back to next time we come back to january to, or sorry next time we come back to 1901 it'll be december of 2017 for us yeah for us so yeah. but it'll be so it'll be december 1901 we'll be covering so okay yeah, yeah. yeah we shouldn't cross over and you know what even if we think we are well then you know if we get if we're in our 60s and still doing this we'll just go back to the 1800s then doing a different century yeah yeah, yeah. If we do run out of news from the last century. <laughs> run out of news. Like, if we yeah. run if we so run the, out yeah. of history. Yeah, if we run out of history. So the plan is that we'll go up to the year 2000 and then go back to 1901 again. But it'll be a different week in 1901. Hmm. So, uh... I suppose the first thing that happened in 1901 was celebrations of a new uh, century. and That's a really good, uh, the first thing that happened in 1901 was the new year. Yeah, It absolutely. literally was, it was the first yeah. thing. Well, we were talking before about, as well, because like, this was the celebration of a new century, but a lot of people don't agree with that. No, I didn't until you explained it to me better. I was like, but 1900 was the new century, like 2000 was. But your argument <laughs> is that there's no year zero, so the century starts from... I'm trying to get this right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the century starts in... So the first year was year one. And so... And it ended in the year 100. So the next year has to start in 101. Or the next century has to start in 101. The year 200. Yeah. And so on. Because my argument was, no, there's no year, year zero. But there is a year 1900. Yeah, yeah. But that's only the 99th year. Like and it does like that version. I can see why people think it, it sounds right, but it's just once you go back to year one. Like if a century is a hundred, it has to start, and the first year was one. It goes one to hundred. People just don't think about it as far back as that. So, but yeah. well, and the funny thing is, like talk just because you know time, the way we see time, it's all just a man-made thing. Not to sound, it sounds like Russ from 
True Detective. But like they've changed the calendar so much that we're probably like a lot of historians reckon. Well, a lot of historians really are counter to it, but it's probably the year. Sorry, we're probably in the 16th century. Oh, okay. Cause like the sort of first 500 years were a complete mess. Like nobody really like. Oh yeah, like back back in. 1480 they yeah call it 1480 well uh, it was pope gregory in 15 i kind of sound like i'm making up but i think it's like 1580 or something that's when like the gregorian calendar came and, like, and that was just a way to establish i can't remember exactly it's something got to do with easter yeah to like bring up the day of easter so as it falls at a certain time so that's why the only reason we're in the year 2014 is because the pope wanted something to match with easter so he changed everything Oh yeah, and they decided that they started counting their calendar from they at that point decided oh that the Jesus crucifix or crucifixion was roughly you know yeah, two thousand yeah. years ago or whatever. So it's been that many or it's been fifteen hundred years since then. So let's count that as the first year. Yeah, because they only started at then. But what's in because you, you hear like he he started in fifteen eighty or whatever I think fifteen eighty or fifteen eighty two. But that mean like it wasn't fifteen eighty two for him. It was just it was yeah, yeah. Well, every year. Um, but throughout throughout like it's all the, the year ch- of the turtle <laughs> throughout <laughs> all the changes, like in like I don't think there was that much of a difference between the Gregorian and the Julian calendar. But whatever they changed it. But with the Julian calendar, they had, like added months. Like so, I think there used to be at one point it was seven months in a year, and then there was nine. Like, it just was all always changing. So, they just reckon with, with all those changes, eventually, like, so much of history just got mixed up that we put things in the wrong... Like, we found buildings that we've estimated to be built in the 16th century, but the the calendar was changed since that. Like, you know, there was okay, just all yeah, these yeah. weird... Like, just the, the entire... We, we met a mess of things <laughs> with yeah. how much times we changed the calendar. And, like, a lot of historians have, like, worked for, for decades on particular things. Trying to convert that, it all and figure it out. Like, well, no, it's more, it's the opposite. Like, a lot of historians have spent so long working on stuff that now that it's been questioned, it's like, all their lives' work is going to be pointless. So, like, a lot of historians are the ones that are like, no, 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 we were definitely right. Oh. <laughs> and, and, like, they're really just standing by it. But loads of this is just not true. But it's just funny. It's all correct um, now. I told you this already, but it's an interesting fact that in Britain in 1752, when they adapted the Gregorian calendar, there was an 11-day difference, and the British public thought that was 11 days that was taken from their lives. So it rioted throughout the country, as they thought the government had stolen 11 days from them. That is really interesting. Even though I heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, My God, Johnny, that's amazing new information I've never like, heard before. It's just weird to but talk. But you told me about an hour ago. <laughs> but that's but no, I, I think, yeah, the, people's reactions to that is so interesting. And it's, it's, it's like, what goes kind of it's, but uh, I suppose at that stage, how many of the population understood the calendar anyway yeah. at that point? Because the level of education and... Yeah, like they actually thought kind of it was so. this all-encompassing, like this reality, like that they genuinely lived within this this time like it was just yeah i guess they yeah. saw it as a real thing like, where, where did my 11 days go <laughs> <laughs> my uh, birthday was in that day well so yeah new year so that was the as you said yeah. the, the, the big story of that first year the first year <laughs> of, of, of the first week of 1901 um 
so yeah we were talking before um we were talking earlier about like how how this t- this time period was really like uh, i guess is it new age or? yeah yeah i guess new age is the right word um you know we were talking before about the millennium like how did 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 we see it as us going into a completely new era yeah and you know i reckon like in 1901 they certainly did just with you know especially in america where it was still a relative relatively new country yeah Mid- that's it you see they they were had they had all kind of they were the colonies and they'd only established the united states like really not that long at that stage and then they kind of got more into innovation and building like much better cities and industry yeah. was coming in and there was a whole in- industrial revolution and it happened in the uk and then was spreading across the world and sail ships were going out of, had long gone out of fashion with like a couple of well they're probably still being used but it was more everything was like steam power and coal power yeah and mining was becoming a big thing so industry and business and money economy was becoming a big thing and uh inventions and I know, like, a really optimistic time for everybody, but also they were only a couple of decades out of the Civil War, you know, where they lost so many people through killing each other. Um, So in America, it was, like, a very weird time and kind of a scary time for a lot of people because, you know, the frontier days were over. Like, everybody moved west. There's all, like, they were used to having, there was a lot of, they always had, like, the the Brit, well, they were British, essentially, and then they had a lot of Irish coming over slavery had ended so they they had a black community but around now they had a lot of like germans and polish coming in so it was this just weird time where it was like america was really becoming like a sort of a boiling pot for the rest of the world um all for all worked out well but at the time i don't know if they the americans there's a lot of there's probably a lot of mixed feelings of fear and optimism Mm. of the future and the new world and stuff like that um so anyway <laughs> anyway <laughs> news um so yeah so okay uh well, do, we can edit this out do, do i need to get up the picture again or can you just pretend to... no, no you showed me the picture earlier yeah, yeah. oh well, wow, johnny what an amazing picture i've never <laughs> seen that before uh, so we have a, a picture here i was showing shane earlier really really should have waited we were doing it live before i showed you it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, so this is a, we'll, we'll put this either as like the cover of the download or we'll put it on a we'll blog. We'll put it on our website. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is, a, this is a photo that appeared in the New York World, which was a newspaper owned by Joseph Pulitzer, who you'd know from uh, the Pulitzer Prize name. Was, was that really the name of the newspaper? The New York World. It's New York World. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great name. That's, Why not that's... call it like the New York State or... It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It sounds like... A joke, like it sounds like a fictional, a fictional paper you'd see yeah. in a, Does, an episode. Did, did Peter Parker work there? Did he? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the bugle. Like it sounds like actually New York. It sounds like a spoof paper. It's what was it? World Weekly Week- News. Yeah, yeah, that's the, what I was thinking. One, yeah. yeah, yeah, it has that tone to it. No, it was yeah. a real paper and apparently really popular. Um, well, until like the thirties, uh, he like Joseph Pulitzer died in nineteen eleven and left it to his sons, and. They sold it to some guy, and the first thing he done was just close it down, so as he could. Oh, okay. He's some uh, probably William Hurst or somebody. It was just competition. Um, it buy your competition, run the meta business. Yeah. But well, must it like just? I don't know much about Joseph Pulitzer, but the fact that the Pulitzer Prize named after him, I'm assuming he was like a stand-up journalist. Like he probably set standards, or yeah. modern standards for. This was probably the, that you have to 
I don't know. I'm totally, yeah, totally I'm... assuming here, but it probably has something to do. Maybe he set up some kind of standards committee. Yeah, or he brought in the idea that you have to like prove your sources we, and that kind of stuff. Like you always that. hear like William Hurst was the sort of the the Rupert Murdoch of the time. Like he's the one that kind of Citizen Kane seems to have been based on, and he tried oh, yeah. to like stop that. So the fact that Hurst bought New York World after Pulitzer died, and just stopped it i'd imagine yeah he must it must have been like in direct competition i just realized yeah. we should probably cut this out because i know I, I said i think it was william hurst that bought it I'm, <laughs> I'm making it up like i'm actually just guessing so let's stop talking about that and just go on with <laughs> somebody bought somebody in competition um just so you know this podcast can never be uh, claimed as being completely accurate yeah we should have that warned to start so you dis- disappeared in uh, the New York world at the the turn of the century, and it's pretty much it's just a an architect's interpretation of what New York would look like in 1999, and it's a pretty it's very close. It's not it's not that far off really. Like some of the architectural style is quite there, but in terms of if you were to look at the I suppose the building scape of New York now, or in 1999, and to what they have there, it's fairly close. Like there's not a huge no, uh, it's not a huge distance between it, except there's loads of zeppelins flying around, which would have been a, a fairly reasonable thought of that it, because it was at the time being experimented as a a new type of uh, or as the best mode of transport because it could transport multiple people. Yeah, like any early experiments with manned flight, otherwise for like airplanes and that kind of stuff, they were probably a lot more you know one two men not going to carry big crowds. Yeah, not equivalent of a as you what? said earlier, not the equivalent of a ship. And that's it, because like it was airship, like yeah. it was what you had on sea only in the air, and like the the fact that like an airship could like carry cargo as well as passengers, like they could actually ship. At the time, you couldn't fill an airplane with cargo, no. and fly it anywhere. But you could with an airship, like I don't uh, think you could fly an airplane at the time. Well, yeah. even like the first like the first decade of airplanes, yeah, it, they were still like small, compact, like their potential they were made out of like. Uh, toothpicks <laughs> <laughs> their potential was more for like as messengers and for war like the, yeah. as a as, as, uh, spotting and scouts yeah, for war the, and that kind the of pass- passenger flight was still long, long far long away long. but but yeah airship it seemed very feasible and it probably would have been only it got the the old airship got some bad press over the next like 20-30 years with the uh, Hindenburg and series of other accidents yeah i can't i can't I can, that's one of those things i can't understand like why was it helium was just more expensive or was it just more impractical to capture helium or something because like that in the day like right up until what 30 years ago everybody smoked doing anything you think there's like a bunch of engineers standing around building a one to one hundred scale model filling it with the uh, hydrogen they're all sitting around smoking cigarettes and cigars and pipes and you would think that at that point they may have exploded a model <laughs> and gone, maybe this isn't a good idea, but let's make it a hundred times bigger. Well, like, I guess I, I just <laughs> I don't want to follow the logic. Well, I guess I think that's it—the hundred times bigger part because they're they're huge. Yeah, and I think they knew helium was the better way to do it, but it was just so expensive that for the size of the ships to just and like I think there were some that it was used to impractical to process helium or whatever. I think just money, I just don't think it was financially they could they could use helium. I think they they used helium on smaller ones. Yeah. Like 
but for the big passengers passenger things it had to be hydrogen even though it was like and then hot air balloons worked but i suppose the helium could support more weight or the hydrogen sorry could support more weight than hot air was that the idea that you could build bigger or i suppose it was easier to sustain you're not constantly putting a load of furnaces under keeping air warm Yeah, yeah well the with the hindenburg they the designer that wanted it to be helium but this was it was before world war Two. but then it, it was still it was a nazi investment like it was a nazi ship and they were coming it was to land in um new jersey i think and yeah like a lot of people wonder now it's like oh that's not odd that that was in there i had swastikas all over it why was it landing in <laughs> that's funny but you know the war hadn't happened yet so there were didn't no. trust the Nazis and they weren't too happy with what was going on in Germany and this rise to power, but they weren't in war with them, but they had banned exports and one of them was helium. Uh, so that's okay. the only reason the Hindenburg actually had hydrogen. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's really odd because I think I told you this before that the Hindenburg actually had a smoking area. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so crazy. Well, it just had one room and it was one, like everybody was your lighters were taken off you when you boarded, but they had that one room and the lighter was tied. Well, so they were very much aware of the dangers, obviously. It's not like they just blindly filled with the Oh, yeah, gas. they knew. Cause like there was enough, like there was enough, like Britain's plan, they, they scrapped all their plans for airships after the R101 exploded um, and just was engulfed in flames. Um, it was like. Just didn't get the media coverage of it enough. No, I guess because I'm not sure on the year, but it was probably still 08, 09. Like the Hindenburg, I guess, 1937, like the first televised disaster uh, and all. Like, it came at a time when people could actually see it happening, so it just ruined. Well, it's funny because, like, really, is that that big of a... Like, we hear about, like, planes go down a lot, like... Well, it's like uh, with Concorde, same thing, really. They had a few... They didn't have... In proportion to what crashes they've had with, say, more common airplanes like nowadays, like 747s or 737s, compared to how many crashes happened to the Concorde, it's crazy that they stopped Concorde. Yeah. Like, statistically, it doesn't, like, it's not comparable at all. It's, it's like 2% versus, like, 20% in normal <laughs> planes kind of thing. Um, and but that seems to be it with the when you actually look at the airships like for such a for such an early like they weren't they weren't really they didn't actually come around until 1901 or 19 sorry 1909 we're, we're yeah. on 1901 within a few years they sort of like this, they were coming leaps and bounds like they weren't completely reliable like they had going overseas on them like they could be like blown off course really easily <laughs> yeah well Which, that's um as you say like in that picture they're depicting the zeppelins in the cities because that was a real vision like even in the late 20s, early 30s, when they were building the Empire State Building, they built the top, was it 103rd, 102nd floor? They built like a boarding station, a uh, disembarking section for Zeppelins right. uh, at the top of the Empire State Building. And the idea was that you could anchor them there and then people can get off. And then there's express elevators down to like business centers on... Uh, was it like the on some of the lower floors and that kind of stuff? So it was like you'd commute in a zeppelin to to your to your office in the uh, Empire State, which kind of makes <laughs> sense. The idea of putting like build like having stations on the tops of buildings and stuff totally yeah. makes sense. But the problem they found was 
because of the design of the building, it just created this huge updraft that they just couldn't keep the Zeppelin steady enough for people to safely disembark them. So they gave up on the idea. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. I can actually see that on the photo. Like the, a few of the buildings actually are, have. Are they attached to? The they're not attached, them? but you can see it looks like like what we associate yeah. now as being helicopter landing pads that have oh, yeah. that look to it. That's well, that was cool. that was their vision of the future, which kind of makes sense. But it's keeping them steady. It's funny. <laughs> the like, wind was when you said as well that like people you you do you commute to work on your Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. but, like that's not too different than like nowadays. It's the flying car. It's like it's the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's weird, a, like we're kind of a prediction of what the future will be. Yeah, our visions don't really change. But what do you think? Like, let's ignore, ignoring like the Hind- the Hindenburg doesn't happen, and that Britain. No, is, this is nineteen oh one. That's not for thirty years. Oh no, but I mean, like, let's imagine a world where the Hindenburg doesn't happen, and the British stay. Oh, and also in World War One, Germany's used to use uh, zeppelins to bomb places, and people used to call them baby killers. So nobody wants to. Ride, ride so a baby she... killer. So like, <laughs> you want to ride that baby killer? <laughs> but if all that stuff doesn't happen, and the airships kind of like they get over that hump, do you think they would have? Do you think they would have just worked on that and they would have improved, and we'd still be we'd be flying um, around in airships? Possibly, if if they put enough effort into creating better stabilizers on the sides of them and things that have better better ways. We see it's, it's probably likely. it's probably a good thing all that stuff happened because if they worked out. We'd have been like, oh, well, this is good. This is the best we can get. And we didn't, like, flight airplanes wouldn't ever... They wouldn't have worked on them. So, the, like, the idea that we can, like, travel is so fast in an airplane yeah. would have just never occurred to people. No, no, and they, they were just, just thinking of like, moving huge amount of people yeah. through the air. They didn't so really it think about us, speed. it'd take us six days to get to America. <laughs> like, yeah. in 2000, we'd still have the internet. Well, <laughs> we'd, we'd <laughs> take, take us six days to get to America. Yeah, it'd be crazy. I'd like to talk about airships more, but chances are an, another news story will come. Oh, they're going to come up later on when yeah. they became more relevant in the 30s or something like that. So we might as well move on. You know, this kind of has nothing got to do with anything, but we've been talking about um, the world changing and, you know, that New York photo, the photo drawing, illustration, whatever. Of what they predicted the future would look like. So just in terms of predictions, like um, on the news item there, we had um, H.G. Wells was very big at the time. He'd just been, he was working on a new book and they announced that because everybody was eager what he was going to follow up with. Um, They're facing into a new century and he he writes about the future. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was very curious to what he'd talk about. So um, yeah, although funnily, the first men on the moon wasn't really... Like, he's got so many things right. First Men on the Moon is actually just standard sci-fi. But Jules Verne was the one, actually, like, way before H.G. Wells. He was the one that got all the moon stuff right. And that was he's in- the one who predicted it wasn't made of cheese. Yes. <laughs> yes, they were really worried it was made of cheese up until that point. Um, no, but his was insane. We go back to H.G. Wells, but in 1865, Verne wrote From Earth to the Moon. And, yeah, yeah. But in, in the book, because you could, you could describe the story of the book that, well, most of the book to people and they would just think you were describing the actual moon landings because in his book the rocket is actually it's not a rocket it's called a cannon that's about the only difference it's launched in florida it's made mainly of aluminium yeah. it weighed nineteen thousand two hundred and fifty pounds cost 12 billion dollars was named columbiad with d at the end <laughs> and on re-entry a cra- it landed in the pacific and 
Navy SEALs rescued them. In real life, 100 yeah. years later, Apollo 11 was named Columbia with an A at the end. Yeah. Weighed 26,000 pounds. Versus what was the other figure? 19,250. Wow. <laughs> and cost 14 billion as opposed to 12. <laughs> and landed in the Pacific Ocean upon re-entry and are rescued by Navy SEALs. So even though those figures were way off, they were still really bloody close. <laughs> well, yeah, like 12 billion. Like <clears throat> His estimation that in 1865, like in the future, it would cost 12 billion. And, it, and, and yeah, ended and up like costing what was 14. currency worth then? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it was a really, like, that's an amazing one. Yeah. But, um, and like, so he predicted inflation then. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm just really always impressed with that. That's Jules Verne. Like, and he had some, but, like, H.G. Wells, like, the grandfather of, like, science fiction and good predictions. And, like, it seems every, every sci-fi writer has, cl- or his fans claim they, they predicted the internet or the iPad. So, oh, yeah. Um, but they've probably just learned from him being one of the godfathers yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. They've, they've read HGL. So, you know, like a quick, uh, just a quick run through. Like, when the sleeper awakes, predicted the iPad and the automatic sliding doors, the world set free, the atomic bomb, right down to its physics. He even, he says in the book, he, what he describes the explosion as looking like a, a volcano, which not. Oh, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, not quite mushroom cloud, but it's yeah. He talks about how it could render an entire city uh, uninhabitable for decades afterwards, which we now know to be true. He even said that a mass of uranium that you could fit into a lady's handbag, which and I loved it into a lady's handbag. Okay, <laughs> like, enough, you could fit in a lady's <laughs> handbag with all the mysteries of womanhood. <laughs> they could render, they could destroy an entire city, and it was. Pretty much, it was a fist the size of uranium, the size of a fist that destroyed Hiroshima. So, all pretty solid. But the 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 most amazing uh, thing about that is that he said the he he used the words atomic bomb. No uh, way. Yeah, like in nineteen fourteen, before so way before, before uh, Oppenheimer split the atom. Right? Yeah. Um. So and like I guess it does him well, using that name does that inform sort of like what do we call this? Oh yeah, did, did they? What is it? Isn't it that they call them hydrogen bombs? An atomic bomb is the is what uh, the layman's term is. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. But with other <laughs> that anyway, awesome. yeah. But yeah, other predictions, like really quickly, uh, like this one, I've always been impressed with. In the shape of things to come, in 1933, he speculated on a future between 33 and. 2106 which really specific <laughs> that's date so specific. Well, it was kind of like for anyone that's like read stuff like world war z and that, it's that sort of oh this is like it's like a textbook isn't it yeah well there's a frame story that kind of sets it all up but it is kind of like just a run through of this fake history but the beginning how how what sort of kicks off the event is in in 1940 uh poland is invaded by Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in 1933 he wrote it. Poland actually proved quite a, quite a match for them in this, like, so it lasts like, quite a while, and eventually other countries are, are dragged in and it becomes a, it becomes world, a war. world war of sorts. Britain stayed, stayed neutral in this version. But America ended up in a war with Japan. Wow. Enough. <laughs> so they, do, <laughs> they invade Poland. Do you imagine that's like 
Hitler is sitting around one day reading the book and he's like, hmm, Poland. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, with this being, as far as predictions, like, it's not like he was just, like, random guessing and it happened. It, it's more like he just knew enough to know, well, this is probably if Germany wanted to... Considering it was only, what, not even ten years before yeah, it happened, so... But... The signs were there that that would be a strategical... Uh... Yeah, and the only difference, like, uh, his one, I guess... Thankfully, his one doesn't come true because in his version, you know, nobody wins and the world goes to crap and a plague comes and we all kind of die. It becomes a post-apocalyptic thing. Then eventually, a dictatorship takes... Ah, anyway, the book goes like that's... <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, <laughs> Have you read it? it? Have you? Well, I, technically, I listened to it. Oh, okay. Oh, it'd be great a uh, moment if we had oh, Audible as a sponsor. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just talking about H.C. Wells. Although, yeah, Anna, you should just read H.C. Wells if you have an Audible account. I'm sure there's loads of H.C. Wells there. Actually, there's a you can get like the you know you don't want to just get one like three hour book. Uh, you can get like the entire collection of H.C. Wells stuff oh, as, yeah. on, as one book. So when you sign up for free and you get one book, you should go for that one because you get like fifty hours. <laughs> Of HG oh, okay. Wells, and it still only counts as one book. That's cool. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, in the but sorry, that's um. There's a film version of The Shape of Things. Well, it's just called Things to Come, and it's sort of just taken a section of the book. And in that, he predicts a uh, an aerial bombing of London by the Germans, <laughs> um, which I think something something like that happened. But uh, similar. Some sort of blitz of some kind. <laughs> when when that came out, though, like everybody thought it was ridiculous and too far fetched, and oh, you couldn't yeah. aerial bomb us without us knowing. And yeah, Arthur C. Clarke. Sure, we'd see you coming. <laughs> Arthur C. Clarke said that he, what, the sci fi writer, Arthur C. Clarke, um, when he was young, he saw it in the cinema, and the, when, when the Germans came in, it, people just started laughing. Like, that's how ridiculous it was. Oh, what a silly concept. Yeah. Apparently, like, during the blitz, Wells was interviewed and he said, God damn it, I warned you all. But I think that's just one of those things uh, that's, yeah, that's made up. Internet rumor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like loads of stuff. In Men Like Gods, he like had wireless communication. The time machine, he... Not not a solid science, but he, he talked about things similar to Einstein's theory of relativity, which was a few years before. It. And yeah, just loads of predictions. So I thought that was worth mentioning with yeah, that, that book really coming out. Everywhere today... We have a sense of change about us, such as the world never felt before. Our economic life is manifestly out of gear, very seriously out of gear. There has been a creeping paralysis of business for some years. We are overproducing and underconsumed. Our political life is out of gear, even more than our economic life. We are taxed overwhelmingly, crushing, to pay for the last war and to prepare for the next. So what else happened in 1901, Johnny? Well, in the first week of January. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is one It happened. It was only discovered towards towards the new year, but it would have, well, they reckon, well, maybe it would have happened 15th of December or something. So this is um, Flannan Isles. Have you, are you familiar with this? No, not at all. Um, that's a lie. Yeah. You know <laughs> you those about it. Um, <laughs> well, like I think this is a great story. I came yeah. across this ages ago. Like I, 
I think, yeah, I think I saw it in some collection of just weird, like, shipwreck stories and stuff, and this was just one of them. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the Flannan Isles, it's just a, a cluster of seven rocky little islands near, off the coast of Scotland, like maybe 30, no, I think like more than that, 20 miles from uh, an island called Lewis, so about 60, 65 miles from Scotland, and yeah, they're just non-inhabitable rocky mountains, like named after a 6th century bishop who might who had a chapel there and there'd have been pill you know it was seen as being a holy land like every island not nothing too spectacular about them only very very dangerous seven rocky islands just like weather wise or just yeah but the fact that they're so close like that entire region like and you know they're only 20 miles from another big island and then 60 miles from ma- mainland so in the middle of a deep ocean yeah and northern atlantic would be like a well-traveled area too so oh, yeah. there was need for a, a lighthouse there so in oh sorry and just to because you know the islands were said to be haunted like yeah. by uh saint flannan which also i don't understand like would a bishop how, how would a bishop be a ghost would he not be like direct passage to heaven yeah would he not have like a an easy pass you know especially because like he was a bit. He was he was sainted, so he must have like done his tree miracles. Like, surely you can't be a ghost if you get sainted. Well, a lot of saints are made saints well long after they're dead. So he might have been a ghost for a while, and then thought, "How do you get rid of this ghost? <laughs> I know who will saint him." And then he'll have to ascend into heaven. That's a really good way to get rid of a ghost. Yeah, yeah. But you have to prove three miracles. Yeah. Well, I would uh, say by being a ghost. That surely counts for three miracles. <laughs> I'm a ghost. There's my first miracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just need to do three ghostly things then. Like, I, I've met a bookcase. <laughs> Levitate and books slide out. Oh, that's a miracle. I flicked the lights on and off yeah, real fast. Miracle. I, a little music box turned on by itself. Miracle. Now, yeah. saint me already so I can go to heaven. <laughs> but anyway, so apparently it was, it was haunted by this holy ghost. Um, Not the holy ghost. No, no, this... Uh, uh, yeah, I think there's a there's obviously a few holy ghosts. Yeah, and like you know, it was a holy land, even though nobody knows why. Just it just was. It used to have weird pilgrimages to it, and people there was all these weird r- rituals where you probably like most of them had some kind of a pagan relevance, and they, just the Christianity Christianity came along and went, no, 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 that's one of ours. Yeah, right. <laughs> just <laughs> like Christmas. <laughs> you used to have to like take off your hat and face the sunset when you got to the island. So superstitious. Yeah never find out why that was you just had to like there was no like what was the repercussion if you didn't do it but it's funny because people obviously genuinely believed this stuff at the time because even like shepherds would leave goats on those islands and sheep but would never stay there the night but also it's just like i've seen you see pictures like you can't live there it's just piles of rock like it's too rough but anyway the lighthouse was built in 1899 and they build the lighthouse on this haunted island because there's seven islands is oh sorry yeah one, the biggest there's there's two big ones i can't remember the, f- uh, the biggest one's eileen moore that's actually that's where the chapel was and that's where they built the island and the chapel or the lighthouse or the, <laughs> the <laughs> they built the island um sorry yeah that's where they built the lighthouse and the chapel's still there like the ruins of it i think it's just called like the dog kennel now <laughs> that's what the, what the nickname the boys in the lighthouse gave it but yeah they built that on eileen moore is the biggest island and like it's really high the elevation so a perfect spot oh, okay yeah that was built in 1899 cost seven thousand pounds which built it yeah at a time, well, like, i would imagine like trying to transport building materials yeah out to an island must have been very costly i know that i know for the time seven thousand still probably loads but when you're saying just, 1899 1899 yeah yeah it would have been 
good chunk of money. Bide is still taught just more, like, because it's a lighthouse on an island 65 miles away from Scotland. Like, just seems like that's a... That's a... Well, uh, well I've, I've been reading a lot of uh, Sherlock Holmes lately, and there's a story set probably around 18, late 1880s, and there's a like there's a there's a, a female character who is described as having a good inheritance and she earns like 30 grand a year from, or from her inheritance or that's what she's worth and they're talking about hey like she's really rich so it's probably the equivalent of like nowadays getting like 100 200 grand a year so yeah seven grand at the time was Probably quite a lot. But I wonder now, could you build a, a lighthouse on an island for 200 grand? I'd, I'd have you probably couldn't. <laughs> I'd have thought like a couple of million to do oh, yeah, that. I suppose, yeah, I suppose actually. Um, even though it would be so much easier to do it now. So at the time, but anyways, yeah. I just, just think maybe they're just very, maybe very money like, conscious. Maybe they just strapped a bunch of goats together. <laughs> well, I guess as well, like this was like the lighthouse was owned by the Northern Lighthouse Board. And they like had like 70 lighthouses throughout scotland well that general region so they knew what they were doing yeah so i imagine it was cheaper for them to do it like they employed like they were the board they employed like 600 men they probably had the, the same design for each one or actually well maybe not because this one was designed by david stevenson who was a cousin or some relative of robert louis stevenson the author of kidnapped and treasure island oh. <laughs> very just um further proof to all Scots are related. <laughs> just uh, like the Irish. Just like the Irish. Yeah. Actually, I wonder if we ever... I don't know, are we related? Should look into that. Yeah. Before we get married. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't marry him, he's your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, the... Um, yeah, so the, uh, the lighthouse was 75 feet tall and it was atop a 150 foot cliff. Um, you know, raging waters against it, like re- pretty oh, yeah. harsh place. Uh, it, it, it was a hundred thousand candle power, power, which I just have no hundred thousand candle power. Yeah, wow. I, I just have no idea really what that no, means. I imagine that's a lot. Apparently, it had a, a radius of twenty miles, so that's, that's seemed, impressive. Yeah. That seems to be what most lighthouses. Like I can see the, you can see the the Holt lighthouse from, like the the coast and like Docky and Bray. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's that would be about twenty miles. Yeah, yeah roughly. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. So, yeah, they're probably all. It's that's probably just the standard, standard lighthouse power. Yeah. I guess it didn't. Well, yeah, there was no reason it didn't need to do a turn, a three sixty turn, because it was not on the other side. Oh yeah, it's only facing out, so it only has to do a um, one eighty turn over. Yeah, like it faced, like you could see it from Lewis Island, so it was stuff coming between, ships passing between oh, the yeah. two that it was really warning. So there was this guy, Roger Rick McKenzie. Yeah. He was uh, just, I think he was a farmer or something on Lewis Island, but he was paid £8 a year by the Northern Lighthouse Board to just keep an eye out, so as if the light ever went out, he'd report it to them. Um, so he's important. He, we'll come back to him later. Sorry, um, what was his name again? Roger Rick. Roderick McKenzie. Roderick McKenzie. Great name, if I could say it without stumbling over it. I just like the temptation to just leave out Roger. Oh, yeah. Roderick. Reggie. Yeah. Um, right, so Reggie McKenzie, as he's known now. Reggie Mac. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it was a really popular job at the time. Like people, a lot of people would would be knocking down the door to get in there because like you don't need any training really. You just you can be trained. Like you'd start as a second assistant and 
You just be second better. assistant. How many people do oh. they need for a lighthouse? Oh well, there was you needed three. <laughs> three. You needed three people because you needed to make sure the light was running, make sure the bulb was in, and keep the place clean. <laughs> uh, so there's one guy who like checks that the bulb is on, and there's another guy who's like, "Oh, uh, you need to change it. Go, go on, first assistant, you go change it." And then second assistant, is the place clean? Yeah, there come was on, a, come on. There was a third a guy one. who was like. I'll make the tea. Yeah, I'll make the tea. <laughs> like, I guess the third guy was there just in case the other two guys were, <laughs> like, both died or took heart attack or just, they just, because I guess they just couldn't take the risk of letting the light go out. Yeah. That you just always, like, it sounds like you probably couldn't leave one guy there. You definitely need two, but three, you probably really don't need three people. Yeah, three men lighthouse. alone on a tiny island in a lighthouse. Like. Maybe for companies, why you need, you need three. But it's also yeah. like the didn't. three's a crowd, though. Yeah, <laughs> so like if it's two guys, you know, it could go in a saucy direction. That's <laughs> probably why they had the third. <laughs> the third to make sure that didn't happen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like third, like second assistant. What's your job? Make sure they don't become gay. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> make the tea. But they had um <laughs> to make the tea and draw nude women. They have to like women. <laughs> you have to hunt mermaids <laughs> and there drag like, them back. There was a secret button that, like, the light could flash differently, and that was to send a code back to the mainland that the other two were having sex and <laughs> send over a priest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, early twentieth-century homophobia aside, yeah. um, it was it was it was a really popular job that like. They employed so many people that did have to have a table, a rotation of t- people that were sent over there. I suppose yeah, you probably do like two weeks on, two weeks off. That was it, like that. exactly it. Yeah, but it was a very sought after job. It's, it's like, it's really like the the modern day version is like working on the space station. <laughs> yeah, like that's the weird. Like, do any of those jobs exist anymore? Anything like like housekeepers? Yeah, like they're all well, unmanned. Now. No, I yeah, they're all unmanned. But I imagine there's engineers who it's their job to go out and fix them and you yeah, might have probably... to stay the night if it's a big job or something like that. but you're not going to spend like three weeks there on your own would you even have to spend a night unless the weather gets but i can't imagine there's ever but as a... well i imagine you don't go out on your own you'll go out with two other guys a first assistant oh, and a well, second assistant. probably now and now it's probably like there's union rules that you you can't yeah. go out without a team yeah you have to have your first assistant and second assistant well or your game on her well in december 1900 there was only there was only three on it and that was the the main guy was James Ducat. It's a great name. These that all sound, name. these all sound like like great character names. It's like uh, Reggie Mac. <laughs> yeah. Um, his second assistant was Thomas Marshall. And such a good name. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite. The um, this was just a fill-in guy. Like he wasn't experienced, and he was wasn't even meant to be there. He came last minute. Uh, Donald Donald MacArthur. It's a common enough name. That's a real sounds, Scottish name. Yeah, though, it just like, sounds great though. Donald MacArthur. But those those were the three guys on it. It wasn't too long. Like they would have started like early December. I'm not too sure when, but probably I'm just gonna guess probably like the tenth. Um, and around the fifteenth, the um SS Arctur, an Amer- it was this American vessel. I think it was it was heading for Philadelphia, but I'm not sure where it was actually coming from. But uh, the captain, Captain Holman, he did do. It was still bright, so they oh, could see bright. where they're yeah they could see where they're going. Thankfully, they didn't. 
need the lighthouse but he could see enough to know it should have been on like and it wasn't so he made a note of it when he ported in philadelphia he um he reported it and for some reason and nobody knows why even now it was just never relayed yeah that information which is just really weird like why that wouldn't come down that's so strange which also is funny that this Mackenzie guy that we talked about earlier, he never reported it either. He, he was, oh, he was this fellow on the other island? Yeah, he was being, like, his job was to keep, well, not his main job, but he was being paid to keep an eye out. So he surely yeah. would have noticed, but he never reported it. So, yeah, it just went unnoticed. And then towards the end of the month, their turn was up. They were sending other guys over. Oh, like relief crew were coming? Yeah, well, just the, the, the three guys. Yeah, they were ready to come over and they were held, like, the weather was getting bad in winter like end of, end of December so yeah. they were held off for a few days on Lewis Island before coming on to Eileen Moore and while they were on Lewis then they saw that the light wasn't right, on I'm like hey Reggie how long has that light been out yeah and Reggie was like oh jeez like sometimes I can't see it so I wasn't sure <laughs> and and like apparently that there was like random days where he couldn't see it and then beyond the next day yeah. so he just and they're like Wait, so you haven't been able to, for, for the last year since this has been up and running, we've been paying you, there's been days where you just can't see. It's like, oh yeah, it just comes and goes. So also, I mean, it's like the lighthouse probably actually wasn't working as good as they thought it was. <laughs> yes, yeah, this Mackenzie just seems like a dope. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, oh yeah, no, um, yeah, it does that all the time, sure. Yeah, so like, sure I haven't, Jess, I've gone weeks without seeing that. What lighthouse? <laughs> <laughs> You're only giving me a pound. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So like they send over like the Northern Lighthouse board. Like they they've got this big ship, the Hesperus. The the captain of that goes over and you know peeps the horn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they let off the horn and he's they shot flares and all to because they were expecting these guys to you know, see the ship coming around freaking lighthouse um and there's nobody there so to try to get their attention still not and so this guy Jason, joseph moore and he was uh, a worker for the northern lighthouse board he would have been i think he would have been taking their place or one, well, of, them. one of the relief crew yeah and he was friends with them and stuff so he just takes a rowboat down and sails up to the island He's himself like, Geez, i hope those guys haven't turned gay <laughs> <laughs> and when he gets to when he ties his boat up he sees uh these three blackbirds on the shore oh. uh-huh. <laughs> and they uh yeah, apparently they all all three look at him and then they swoop into the air and dip into the sea, and you know it's not important or anything. But there you go. And so anyway, he climbs up and he goes to the lighthouse. The door is closed. Hang on, uh, did he take off his hat and face the right direction? Or I think was he too put off by the blackbirds. I think we cracked it. No, I guess he wouldn't have. Well, that was his first mistake. Although nothing happened to him. So, but anyway, so yeah, he gets in the door and the clock stopped. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and the, uh, there's only one coat left in the hallway and one pair of wellies. Oh. And then he goes, runs upstairs, and there's one place set at the table, but nobody's touched that food. And there's an overturned chair, and yeah, he scans, goes through the entire place, no sign of anyone. They when the rest of the guys from the Hesperus show up, they comb the entire island, find nothing, and yeah, the guys are just gone. And eventually to see that on the, what would you call it? The landing lodge thing? I don't uh, know. The, the, the dock? Or the, 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 yeah, there's a crane to lift stuff up. For, so it's for like a little port care. on the place or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And the, the box from that is missing. And the railings along have been 
bent in and the no there's a this huge rock that's been lifted out of the cliff head that would have weighed like a thousand well a hundred ton or something yeah so like from all that they conclude it had to have been a freak wave hit here so all they can take from that is that two of the guys were out when the wave hit and the guy that was inside spotted them didn't you know just left his food didn't put on his coat just ran to try and help help them them. and he was taken out too and it's a little because like a rogue wave it's usually one wave it's all yeah it's coming at you yeah it's all like what got him but maybe like the crane thing fell down and he just went out to help them try and pick save that and they all just went down it's a weird one like nobody well that's it nobody knows there's you spotted the two lads making it in the cliff (laughs) (laughs) right to stop them and they all got hit by a wave Oh, I think you're really yeah, you're on fire here. I think yeah. I think you got it. Because I was thinking just just as that come, I was thinking like maybe this uh, Joseph Moore guy, maybe he uh, wanted to eliminate some of the competition here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he snuck onto the island one night. <laughs> but well, that's it. There's all sorts of theories about it. Yeah, and what? the, what's the thing with the crows then? What's the idea there? Oh, well, that's yeah. Well, that's one of the theories. I think that's. Well, here's the the ones that definitely that are just nonsense. Foreign invaders. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts. So, so, who who would be considered foreign invaders see, in 1901? <laughs> I don't know. Or 1900? In, yeah. Pirates? Or okay, just aliens? Yeah. Like, well, there's a big alien thing. Like, apparently that's a hotbed of alien activity. According oh, to like the UFOs in, and stuff. Yeah. According to the internet. But I've never Googled this spot and not saw, like, it's a hotbed of UFO activity. Like, everywhere is a hotbed. Yeah. <laughs> Things <laughs> to do in Dublin. Hotbed of UFO activity. Everywhere yeah. is. Once there's, if, if there's, if there, a sea surrounds it, or it's on a mountain, or in the woods, it's a hotbed of UFO activity. <laughs> yeah. So, like, most of the world, hotbed of UFO activity. Oh, yeah. But, well, yeah, that's it. Like, they're all the silly ones. Then the murder-suicide, a lot of people reckon it's the, the fill-in guy. The second assistant. Yeah, Donald. Donald, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that the theory that maybe he killed them, and then stayed by himself for a couple of days, and then that was his coat, his yeah, meal, and, just, and then yeah. he thought, you know what, I can't live it myself, and just jumped off. Yeah. Well, one of them is that maybe he, um, two of them were out, and they got in a fight or something, like because you know you stuck with the same people for even just two weeks, you'd probably get into a oh, fight yeah. really easy, and it just got out of hand, and he threw him off a cliff or something. Like, I told you not to drink out of my mug. It has my name on it. <laughs> but when he went back, like he tried to you know, oh Jesus, he fell, he fell in, I couldn't help him like and oh, your yeah. man just was like having none of it and then he just killed him. Oh yeah. And then but they're all like there's like no There's no just, way of knowing what happened. Yeah, and like it's, it's really, so interesting though. I know they're dead and all, but like you can't just talk about like oh what Murder suicide, like when there's no evidence. Yeah. <laughs> but um no, I think the the most logical one is they were turned into birds. That's the most logical <laughs> that's one. the that seems to be so the crows or the black Well, like there's some there's some evidence to that, like he saw he saw the three three blackbirds. Oh, I suppose it. That's a real of the time kind of ghost story. Yeah. Yeah, it has that Celtic folklore thing yeah. to it. People love it because of the clock stopping, and, and you know it's a great like it sounds creepy. But it's nineteen hundred. <laughs> the clock probably had to be wet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> unless, um, unless like it's a pendulum clock, and the pendulum's like frozen at a mad angle where it should keep swinging. Yeah. But it's just stuck there. Yeah. There's no nothing as poesque in this one. It's just it's just a, a clock that 
happening yeah. around. So of course it's it's going to stop eventually. Oh, yeah. But and it's a great because it's a great image and it sounds great. But yeah, so but that's really like nobody's were ever washed up, and no. that's about the only you'd yeah. kind of expect but that. Far like, as well. If you're saying yeah, about sixty miles from main Scotland land, like that's serious distance. I know it's not good to base it entirely on fiction, but I think in Frankenstein it's around that same region where Frankenstein, where the monster kills, he kills two people, and or no, yeah, he, I can't remember. It's been so long since I read Frankenstein. But anyway, the bodies end up washing up on Ireland, and oh, okay. Doctor, well, he's not Doctor, but Victor, ends up in our his body washes up. So I'm kind of taking it from that that around that region, like you know, it's not the sea. It's not that big between. No, no, it'd be quite close. So their bodies washed up in Ireland, and then someone went, "Oh, Jesus, look, free boots." <laughs> <laughs> well, the bodies. Did, I was just saying that that was in Frankenstein, but yeah, the bodies didn't wash up. But there's a couple of places they could have gone, basically. Yeah. To be fair, though, it doesn't sound like they were checking everywhere. And the last law. Log... How many remote places are there around there that? Bodies yeah. could wash up on a, a beach or in a, a cove that just you can't even get to. Like, yeah. think of think of northern like Scotland. You, like, wow. and this is the thing: the last log entry was in was from the fifteenth. So whatever happened happened on the fifteenth. They didn't discover them until Saints until Saint Stephen's Day or Boxing yeah. Day. Um, so the twenty sixth, like that's a lot. Of, wherever the bodies would have ended up, nobody was aware of where they came from by then. Um, sure that's what eleven days, like yeah. And plus, there was loads of sea monsters back then that could have taken them. <laughs> yeah. um, like people, people, because the there's lots of sea monsters. Because, <laughs> um, but people like apparently the weather was good in that day, and so there was no rogue waves. But the whole idea of a rogue wave is that it's rogue. It comes oh, it's like in. there was no storm waves or anything. Yeah, like but that. a rogue wave is exactly that. It's rogue. It comes in calm water, like, and they've recorded in 2000. They recorded one off the coast of Scotland that reached 95 feet. Which wow. is pleasant, and which could have. And are they related to like earthquake activity or like that? Like mini no, tsunami? No, what they just come out of nowhere. Like. You see, the one a rogue wave doesn't because it's like the scientific. They don't know that's they, they've never actually been able to capture a rogue wave. Ugh, a rogue wave from start to finish. Oh, because okay. you do. You don't know when it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. So like the, the first actual documented one was in 1995. <laughs> and, and even that wasn't like that wasn't a full rogue wave yeah I keep saying it weird rogue wave rogue wave they don't know what a, a full rogue wave looks like even which kind of does make it sound like well it's it's such an easy thing to yeah. blame on as well yeah. something that we know nothing about don't I <laughs> but there is there's loads of evidence like I mean there's been ones like ships have been knocked at, over by no, the yeah, yeah where they've literally yeah and they've went over the height of the ship like so it's definitely it can happen oh, yeah. but and so it's probably what happened there i'm you you'll be interested in this one there's actually an episode of doctor who from tom oh ba- yeah b- the tom baker era i've never ever watched any of those actually i've never really watched the modern not a big doctor like i like, I like doctor who's good fun but i won't know i just saw that when i was the, yeah it's called the horror of fang rock are they not when you read the doctor who books though are they not all based on that era of no no they were based i haven't read one for ages now but they're all based on the david Tennant, matt smith oh, okay. characters i first read them one day i got i was in an airport with a flight delayed and there was like one on sale and i thought i'll read that 
and, uh, and then I ended up reading like 10 of them. Dude, it seemed like you had a type of book that would be really good for traveling. Just something that you'll... Yeah, they're quite easy to read because they're aimed at like uh, like young adult fiction. So they're aimed at like 12-year-olds. It's just about my reading level. <laughs> so it's pretty good for me. I really like Stephen King. I wish he'd go back and write some shorter books these days because they're really good for like long, long journeys like that you can get through an entire journey with a Stephen King book. But oh, yeah. like now, nowadays you can't. But you can't even travel with the book because it's like, No, like, it's too heavy. Like it doesn't fit in your bag. Like, yeah. <laughs> you saw when I like met you down in, um, just blanking on the name. Jameson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when I met, remember I brought I brought under the dome with me and I couldn't fit it in my bag. I was going to like bin. I was going to leave it on the train because like, I had no room for it. So that's the mystery of uh, Flannan Isles, I, and I think we solved it. What? I didn't think we were going to solve a mystery. See, that, that was the two problems. It was didn't take his hat off before he got onto the island because the birds distract him. And had they been turned into birds, they by him taking off his hat and facing whatever it is west or whatever. Bet you that would have changed them back, and that was their mm. one chance. And they were watching them, kind of going, "Do it, do it, do it!" Oh. so they just flew off, came birds forever. Poor guys. Or you know, it's a gay thing. Want <laughs> 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 to go on with some more news? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sorry, we had loads of headlines there. We've... I'll get through this one quickly because it's just just a funny thing. This is the story. It might have meant nothing to most people when they heard it. Uh, Carrie Nation destroyed a bar at Corey Hotel in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, that's just a mad. Uh, Carrie Nation was just crazy Christian lady who hated alcohol. Oh, right, okay. Seemed to hate it. Because like, it brings out the devil in people. Yeah, she had a few marriages. Like she, had, I think she had three husbands. She'd been through that. It just sounds like she, she probably didn't like men either. Oh, she probably yeah. had good reason not to. If she hated alcohol and hated men, I'm guessing she had horrible husbands who... Yeah, probably very good um, But, yeah, she was a bit mad. Um, Kansas had banned alcohol in all its uh, counties. Um, oh, so this is well before any prohibition or anything. Like oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I suppose is, there's, there's counties that have always been dry. or it's Yeah, yeah. Time. I think this was always a dry county, but nobody... Nobody really paid attention to it, like. Oh yes, yeah. but she would write letters. She wanted every everybody to reinforce this, and she was the president of the Women's Christian Temperance Union, which yeah. is a mouthful. And she would lead po- peaceful protests and all that. Never made a difference until one night she uh, got convinced that God wanted her to <laughs> to go further with. <laughs> okay, and according to her, in her own words, God talked to her one night. And he said, go to Kiowa and I will join you or something like that. <laughs> and that's where she was going to go and end the this alcohol curse that was on Kansas. She, oh, yeah. She described herself. This just uh, she just sounds like such a horrible woman. She was like six foot. It's like she's a really big woman. And she described herself as a bulldog running at the feet of Jesus, barking at those he doesn't like. <laughs> so like you're like hang on i think the whole point want, of jesus is that he likes everyone yeah. after god spoke to her and told her to go to kiowa she armed herself with what she called smashers <laughs> which, like, which is the sort of thing a sane person comes yeah. up with after well, hearing voices well what smashers were it was a bag it was a bag of rocks <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way to like make it sound special she just had like all the homemade 
weapons and she just went into she went to Kiowa, went to despair, walked in the door, just started smashing the place. Like Oh, did she attack people or just the property? No, just or? the property, like she just hurls stuff, break all the bottom bottles behind the <laughs> counter and stuff. And on that day, she went to Kiowa and she described she destroyed three bars and oh, she went on a rampage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it gets it gets She's more than one bar. That's crazy. In one day, <laughs> then she she goes to Wichita or so. They said, yeah, Wichita. And so she has not been stopped by the authorities yet. At this point, I think like it sounds like she came in like a hurricane. Like nobody knew what was happening. <laughs> like I guess. Imagine um, that you're just sitting there having a pint. Having a chat with the lads, and this woman just comes in and starts throwing rocks at the this bar. This six foot tall woman is like going, "I'm the bulldog at the feet of Jesus," barking at those he doesn't like, and probably shouting that God yeah. told me to come. She sounds like a character who, like, she has like one of those voices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I'd like... love, I'd love if there was like there might actually be a recording of her somewhere because we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, so she, then she goes to Wichita and this where she shows up with a hatchet <laughs> <laughs> and that becomes her trademark and I like she doesn't but she just uses the hatchet to like smash more part like smash a mirror and stuff oh, yeah. yeah like I'm not sure how I'm sure she's getting in trouble at this point she has to be because yeah. she moves on then she goes to like Topeka and she starts to get followers at this point <laughs> she's like Forrest Gump but like on a rampage instead of running <laughs> That's a great comparison. <laughs> yeah, sort of. But, like, I don't think she has many followers. Because, like, when she goes to... Where's the... Topeka's the capital. I think that's where she yeah. goes. And that's the first time she actually seems to actually encounter uh, any problem. Because... I, I don't know anything about Kansas. But I'm guessing just by being the capital, it's probably... More policed or whatever. Or... Yeah, more forward-thinking as well. Where they're probably like, well, that's a stupid law. Like, let us drink. Yeah. Um, like even when she gets there, the uh, the women's group, the Christian Temperance Union, the leader of that in Topeka uh, says, "We, you know, he don't. She, this woman, this crazy woman, doesn't represent us." <laughs> okay. And <laughs> Carrie Nation's reply to that was, "I tell you, lady, you you won't know what joy is until you begin to smash, smash, smash." <laughs> that was her reply. So like. At this okay. point, is she actually on a crusade for God, or is she just like wanting to go around smashing stuff? Like, she sounds like the Hulk. Yeah, she like, just sounds Hulk like a smash mad person. And so the go- the governor, she sorry, she told the governor that if he didn't uh, enforce the law in Topeka, she would. And so he said, to "Her, you're a woman, and a woman." Should know a woman's place. <laughs> um, Is that what they did nothing about it? They're like, oh, she's just a woman. But yes, oh, and after that she called for, yeah, after the way the governor treated her and she was like actually getting legit followers at this point, like like hundreds of women and like oh, yeah. men well, too. Oh, yeah, I can understand that in some way. So she, <laughs> after the governor like didn't listen to her, she called for a, a hatchetation. I guess it's nation and hatchet together, like <laughs> hatchet nation. I think it's hatchetation. I, neither makes sense. Yeah, but that's what she called for, and that was where they all they all got hatchets and started destroying the birds. <laughs> and yeah, at this point, I think that mo- most people just believed her to be mad. And but she can like she, I think they called their group now. They were called the Home Defenders Army. They called themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and overall, she destroyed a hundred a hundred saloons in in fifty towns, 
Um, oh my god. Yeah, she she at one point she was arrested four times in one day. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I I guess they just didn't know what to do. It's like we can't get. They probably didn't even have cells for women in most of the towns. So they're like, what they're do we like, do with her? But apparently they did. It's you know you can just see them like they get to the jail with her, and then like there's just some deputy arrests her, brings her to the jail, and the sheriff is like, "Where's your husband?" <laughs> Well, here's the, the the weird thing is um, she might have kind of worked because to, to appease her, they actually did rush through uh, a bill that actually increased the, the laws on the sale of liquor in yeah, It was probably Kansas. to stop her, not the drinking. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's it. But that's kind of what the attitude a lot of those people, they're, they're trying to get something banned. So their way to do it is to create so much trouble as a result. That oh, yeah, had, yeah. Like, it's a really bad way to go about you kind of see it now with certain I'm trying to think pro- of an, an, an example but i, I, I have can't. one i just don't want to say it but oh, okay. but yeah so they, they rushed through that bill and boy it was just a curse like it didn't last like i mean and you know she she ended up she found a way to sort of make to make money off her off her persona and she started doing like what amounts to stand-up comedy shows like she's on the Fallfield <laughs> Theatre and stuff. I suppose 20 years later, well, not even 20 years later, when they brought in Prohibition, then she must have been delighted. She could have been dead at that point. But, oh, yeah. Um, but it does like seem like she probably wasn't all that serious. Like, maybe. The fact that she ends up going on tour in the end, she probably ended up tour going to actual saloons and doing a show, like, reenacting. Yeah, that sounds like selling out a little bit to yeah. But... Yeah, it's fun. I, I like that story. Old Carrie, Carrie Nation. There was a great, I saw a great photo before. It was just a bar in Kansas and over the bar they had a sign and it said, welcome all nations except Carrie. <laughs> Pretty good. Without knowing that story, you'd be like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine in Kansas at the time you couldn't not know. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. There was this crazy Christian woman going around Dublin. Like <laughs> strolling into fibers with a hatchet and just going to go. town. Okay, so uh, also in the news that week, um, we heard that uh, Alfred Pecker was or Packer was coming up for parole. Um, and, and who is he? I know nothing about him. Well, Shane, genuinely, he... that's not one of my things. Of like, hey, audience, I don't know anything about this. Explain it to me. Um, I actually know nothing about this. He is the American West's only ever convicted cannibal. Oh, really? Yeah, which is quite a... Still to this day? Um, or at the time? Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, American West, sorry, is in the Old West, not oh, the actual okay. Western sorry, re- yeah, region. Yeah. Where I imagine there was probably a lot of cannibalism when people were eating the I'd hope, for land. And... I'd hope so. I'd hate to think cannibalism died. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> No, yeah, no, there was, well, there was the the, Don, the Donner Party, who I'd like to get into a bit, because the Alfred Packer, he's often confused as being part of the Donner Party, because they're kind of, well, they're both happened in the Old West. Like, oh, okay. But, but well, Alfred pa- Packer, for starters, this this happened during the Gold Rush. Oh, also, just side note, not entirely sure if it's Alfred or Alfred. Okay. Like, different art, different sources have always... They change it like one of them was a name he took, and the other it's all the one. Apparently, his name was actually Alfred, 
and he got a tattoo of his own name. And they spelled it wrong. Alfred, so rather than like acknowledging that he just changed, it was easier to change his name. They didn't have a laser tattoo removal back <laughs> yeah. in those days. Oh, you think you just cut off the skin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you trying to make it funny? <laughs> <laughs> last time I do that. <laughs> but anyway, so that's, yeah. that's the last time Johnny tells a joke. <laughs> he was a member. He was a member of a group of prospectors that went going into the Colorado Rockies, searching for some gold. Um, golden long pig <laughs> in around 1873 and they got lost and uh, they were in there for a long time and all of a sudden Packer's the only one to emerge a few weeks later with a full belly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like there's a few different versions of what happened but just to go back right so a group of about 20 set off from Utah to Colorado. And 20 of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, not I mean, many. You said I was thinking like four. <laughs> oh, right. You, oh. No, yeah, 20 of them. Um, It, it drops a bit. You see why. But Packer was uh, served as a guide. And there were a group going going to the mountains looking for gold. And he didn't have money to get in with them. Like, you know, oh, yeah. they needed people to fight. Just because you know oh, you'd equipment buy your way into, into yeah well you like well they were going to dig for gold like so you'd want people with equipment people that could bring a wagon like to carry stuff back like so he's like i'm a guide i'm gonna bring you to cannibals i mean <laughs> uh, happy canyon yeah well i'm sure he wanted his plan i'm sure he he would like for the gold but so he just lied his way in you know he had no real experience he'd been in the army and like he was during the civil war, he was in two separate battalions, but he had gotten two honorable discharges because he had epilepsy. Uh-huh. And you know he just done. So he, he's rumored that he might have killed a, a tracking partner before, <laughs> and that's another reason to think he might have changed the spelling of his name. Uh, but okay. but that's that's never Avoided. been verified. But so he lied his way in, and like they copped pretty soon that this guy has no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> um, but he was always like he was always like apparently like. You know, to be as they were traveling, he was always asking people how much money they had on them. Like, <laughs> much, so it's like that annoying friend. Like, well, how much you bring out with you tonight? Like, yeah. so like where he's just it sounded. How like, much? How much money did you bring on this uh, expedition? Do you have some? Uh, have you ever seen gold before? Yeah, can I see some? Yeah, he was just. He, is it true that when you you can bite gold with your teeth? You have some there. Let me let me have a look. <laughs> can I have my gold back? What gold? But yeah. Um, so this sounds kind of dodgy. And, you know, he got them lost a few times. And it wasn't just his fault, the weather. It was a really bad winter as well. Okay. So they got turned around a few times. Um, but by December, like, they'd run out of a lot of their food. And they stopped. I think it just... I think they stopped in, like, an Indian reservation. I could be... Like, I was saying about how people always confuse him with the Donner Party. Now I think I'm confusing two stories. Oh, okay. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, at some point they stopped with, in, like, a, uh, an Indian fort. And the chief sort of says they should probably stay here that's it's a bad winter or whatever but the leader of the group is i have many beautiful daughters <laughs> you stay here and give me your gold <laughs> but the the leader of this the group of pioneers uh a guy oliver d lutzenheiser um yeah he, he wants to go ahead and he wants he takes a, a group of five and packer wants to go with them and they're like we were trying to get away from that's there. exactly <laughs> Lutzenhauser doesn't trust him at all because he's heard the story that he might have killed his old tracking partner <laughs> so he tells him no you're not coming and if I see you anywhere behind us I'm going to shoot you <laughs> <laughs> um, so so they, those five leave so there's 15 left 
and eventually another five decide that they're gonna go uh to I'm sensing a trend here and Parker's like can I go with you and after some debate they actually let him go because oh, I think okay. it's mainly the tender staying don't want him there and the chief might not like him <laughs> um so and well he goes as a guide they still haven't caught he's not a good guide yet so he goes with these five to guide them back out of the mountains and the chief sort of this Indian chief gives them some provisions to take with them, tells them to stick to the river. Gives them, like, salt, barbecue <laughs> sauce. <laughs> um, but, and that's, and so to leave. That's kind of where, this this is where the story gets confusing, because the next time anyone heard anything, it was when Packer came out of the woods with a full belly, and <laughs> according to him, the group turned on him. Like, they were just a few days into it, he because he got his epilepsy kicked up and he couldn't see where he was going and that's apparently that's what he was a good guide it was just his ep- epilepsy was at him so he couldn't right. see things properly and that's why because that's how epilepsy works yeah exactly <laughs> and so the grouper left him on his own and he made his way out and he didn't know where they were and then every and then people noticed like yeah you don't look like a man who's been in the... He said he was foraging for acorns and stuff <laughs> by himself. And they're like, you don't look like a man who's been living off acorns. And also, like, he he had money on him. So then he told another version. He's like, oh, that's my biting gold. So then after after some twisting of his arm, he told another version of the story. And in this one, the five men, well, I think six including him, they slowly start to turn on each other. And eat each other essentially until there's two left and <laughs> it's him and this other guy and so he shoots him in self-defense and still yeah well that doesn't sound like people six men don't gradually turn on each other and start eating each other until there's only two left <laughs> it's like we all just started eating and before we knew it, it was just the two of us <laughs> yeah. standing there but they've got no like they actually have no evidence either like they don't know where the bodies are so they can't verify or they, they don't know. Well, he obviously got convicted then. Well, they they took he he obviously if these people are missing and he's he's at least mi- he's admitted killing one out of self defense. So yeah, he probably okay, killed yeah. them all. So they did arrest them. Yeah, and then in like eighteen seventy four, a journalist for Harper's Magazine, he actually found the bodies um, and they're all a few feet from each other, <laughs> and they're all kill- looks like they were killed in their sleep. They all had like traumatic head injuries. So it didn't look like there were people who all turned up. It looked like they were all having a nap and somebody came in. Smashed their heads into rocks. Yeah. So yeah, it's looking like Packer just... Did it it look like they'd been eaten? Um, I I don't know at this point if they're new to... If the journalist knew to what he was... Because it was only a journalist. I don't know if he knew what to look for. Yeah. Could have been coyotes. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's it. I imagine animals would have... Yeah, I don't know what would have been left. But anyway, um, none of it matters because Packer escapes anyway. <laughs> um, and isn't found until like 10 years later. <laughs> um, and he changes the story again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> like, okay, he was a cannibal, but I like him. He's funny. He sounds like a storyteller. I like that. Yeah. So in this one, he says after they got lost, they started like living off you know for, forage and stuff and packer was actually kind of trying to be a hero of the story and he went all the men were weak and so he went looking for help himself and he brought a gun with him with four bullets in it he, so he couldn't find a way out of the woods and when he came back he noticed there was only one person sitting at the camp and as he got closer he saw 
four dead bodies around him. Uh. And the man was cooking some meat on the fire. And as he saw Packer, he attacked him and Packer shot him in self-defense. And it was this guy called Bell. So he now his story is that while he was gone, Bell killed all the men. To eat them. To eat them. And he didn't think, because he thought, oh, well, Packer's probably going to die out there. And when Packer yeah. came back, Bell sees him and Bell's attacks him. And Packer shoots and kills him. In all fairness, if that happened to you, you'd probably be like, no one's going to believe this. <laughs> so you're <laughs> going to change your yeah, story. That's true. Well, actually, we come to that. Um, but well, nobody does believe because this is, to be fair, it's it's the third time. Now, this is the story, the version he's, he's been stick- on the run for 10 years. Yeah, he's escaped. Although I'd probably go on the run too. But So he's convicted and, you know, he's sentenced to sentenced to be hung. Actually, this is really, now I don't know didn't know to this entirely but he's sentenced to be hung but he got through on a loophole that he could have the irony a loophole (laughs) um because there was some new law introduced because it took so long for him he was on a run for 10 years there was some law introduced where you couldn't be executed for a crime that statue limitations pretty much it was something like but it was something but was specifically to execution so he just had to do prison time so he's sentenced to 40 years but apparently when he was sentenced to be hung originally, the judge said to him, damn it, Packer, there was only seven Democrats in in all of Colorado and you ate five of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so he sentenced him to be hung because uh, uh, keeping him alive would risk further copycat killings on okay, Democrats yeah. or something. Like, it just, judge, yeah, yeah. I, again, it it's one of those funny things. Yeah, it probably never happened. Like, the judge might have said at a party one night. But yeah. he didn't say it when he was actually sent a cocktail party. Yeah. yeah. But as we know from the, the news broadcast at the beginning of the show, he, he didn't do the full 40 and he was paroled and got out in 1901. And, you know, apparently he um had a, had a bit of a love affair with a journalist afterwards. He had a had a peaceful life. Apparently he even became a vegetarian. And apparently on his deathbed, he um said like he, he still maintained his innocence and said he was innocent of all the charges yeah he died in 1907 wow oh yeah cause of death the listed on his death cert is senility trouble and worry <laughs> that's what he died of <laughs> but um i imagine that was very common at the time <laughs> yeah. i love that i think i had an uncle who died of that but no you like this because you were saying when i said his third version you, you can see you your eyes kind of lit up like like you wanted to believe that one was actually yeah, yeah. they done a, a mock trial some solicitor done a, a mock trial in 2002 presented like all this new evidence and he was oh, found yeah. innocent in it and there's a lot of, like circumstantial evidence but there's a lot of things about that third version that actually kind of makes sense yeah because the gun he actually did have that gun and the first time he was arrested the gun was taken and it was examined and there was only one bullet fired. Yeah. And in the bodies... There was one shot. There was one guy who was shot and the rest were killed in the sleep. And if Packer had a gun and if he had enough bullets to kill everybody, why would he kill four in their sleep and then shoot one? I suppose, yeah, yeah. And if they were already dead and he shot this guy... Like, yeah, they're already dead. He he definitely ate the meat. Well, I mean... But... The- it was cooking on the pan already yeah, when he got yeah. there, and he was, it was starving. So. Presented to him like, oh, there was a few other details, like, but the fact that yeah, most four killed in their sleep, one was killed standing. Like the third version sounds the most likely. Yeah, and if the third version was a lie, why would that not have been the lie he told the first time? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like he might actually have have been innocent of the murder. 
Actually, you know, sorry, just to, this can stay apart. You know what we didn't get to talk about? And there's not anything to say about it. I just want to mention it. It was one of our headlines at the start there. Yeah. yeah, well, it was the morning newspapers on the 28th of December that ran with the story about the 50 children that fell through the ice that turned out to be an elaborate, an elaborate prank. Um, <laughs> I couldn't, the only stuff I could find about that story was the story about it being a prank. You couldn't find the original story? Yeah, sadly. So I'm not even sure how true, like, uh, prank in a prank, I don't know, but... What a bizarre prank to go with. Yeah, I'd like to find out, like, that's something, even if, if I can find out more about I'd like to talk, see, I, see if I can verify it for next week. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But also... Even though it'll be a different week, a year later, we will week. still bring over topics, verify things we've talked about. That's yeah. not a... Well, also, even, I'm thinking, because, you know, we talked about Alfred Packer there at the end of it, and maybe, even though it doesn't relate to next week, although maybe it will, who knows... I'd like to go into the Donner Party a bit, just to... Yeah, I'm so fascinated by cannibalism. So people can compare them. It'd be nice to have a cannibal story every week. That'd be nice. Are there enough cannibal stories? Well, that'd be... Yeah, it'd be funny if we... Let, let, let's not look for them, but let's see if one can pop up naturally Yeah, let's see, let's see how cannibalism pops up into history it'd be very, the last century. <laughs> it'd be very worrying if we got to, like, 1920, and there was a cannibal story every week. I would be very worried by that. Yeah, and but and I can't imagine they're all going to be as funny as Alfred because the Donner Party. I mean, that's not a party anybody wants to go to. That, there's no. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the kind of party oh, you want to go to. There's nothing funny about the, the Donner Party. It's one of the most depressing stories ever. Like, well, we'll save it to next week. Yeah. Even if it's not relevant to the time, I think it would be a nice uh, story to to wrap ourselves up with. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we had. The mystery of the lighthouse, people facing into the new century, and Zeppelin's being tied to the Empire State Building. Carrie Nation. Oh, Carrie Nation and her, her smashing rampage. Cannibalism in the West. So, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, next year, on Yesterday's News Today. Subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us, and tune in to us every Friday for more of Yesterday's News Today. <laughs>